Welcome back to another original Source Resurrection. I'm John Lodge, this is Red Dice Diaries, and we're going to be doing a call-in show. Okay, so let's get cracking with those voicemails. The first message is from Joe. Take it away, Joe. Hey, what's up, John? It's Joe. And I just wanted to call to say that, I mean, if I think about it, I think your theme music, it might be my favorite. I don't know for sure. That's a tough call. There's some great songs out there. But I don't know. Every time I listen to an episode of yours, I just love that. Ah. Uh, that like cowboy kind of music it gets me really pumped man that's awesome so great work on that also i totally meant to call in right after your rpg bugbear video to warn you i knew jason was gonna think it was about him i <laughs> oh, just busting your chops jason no but seriously that was a great episode dude i loved it there's nothing wrong with airing your grievances i think people need to do it more often it's good for the soul anyway peace out Thanks very much, Joe. I'm glad you enjoy the theme tune to my episodes. I can't take any credit for it myself. I didn't produce it. It's actually a song called Exotica by a band called Juanitos, available on the free music archive. So it's in the public domain, and I'll put a link to that in all of my show notes. And, yeah, I've got to admit, I was just rambling over a few different sort of free music websites looking for something that sort of hit it off with me and i'd originally envisioned something a bit more fantasy like you know a few more wind instruments a bit like the music that we have on the purple worm group cast but when i heard the dang 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 at the start of exotica i just fell in love with that part of the song partly because it's a great little riff, and also because I'm a massive fan of sort of old westerns, and that really sort of brought back the feel of that to me. So I decided just to go for it, and I clipped out a, a section that doesn't have any lyrics in it so that it would serve as a start and an end tune. And as for as for Jason thinking that the book bears were about it, I've actually – yeah. I did send Jason a message to assure him that it wasn't about anyone personally. and we had a bit of a laugh about that, and he sent in some call-ins himself. But I'm glad you're liking the RPG book bears. I'm sure there will be many more of those in the future. So thank you very much for your call-in, Joe, and let's see who's next on the list. Hi, John. Pete Jones here. Dragons are real. Yeah, I have to agree with you about your podcast on Thieves. Yeah, it really is a dick move. And what I found is that the players that tend to use that excuse are usually the disruptive players anyway. Uh, No matter what game they're playing, they will be the one that wants to split the party, go off and do their own thing and be bloody awkward. I have seen the thief done really well on a couple of occasions. Uh, Once, the uh, thief player stole off the other players, but it was blatantly obvious. So he'd steal their helmet and be wearing it on his head so they could see. Or they go to put their armour on and he's already wearing it. Um, so it was never hidden from the other players. And it can be a bit of a joke. Oh, where's it gone? Oh, he's probably got it. So it can be done well. But yeah, stealing off other players, sneaky. Yeah, don't enjoy that. Catch you later, mate. 
That's Pete Jones from the Dragons Are Real podcast and one of my fellow Purple Worm hosts. Thank you very much for calling in, Pete. Yeah, I agree. It's entirely possible for the thief to be done well. And I particularly liked your example of it sort of being played a little bit for laughs. You know, the thief stealing someone's helmet. And when they turn around, he's actually wearing it. So I don't really see that as sort of stealing as such. It's sort of using those abilities and that reputation to, to engender good humour and probably to sort of like pass sort of quiet moments in the session. I think that's a very good way of doing it. And yeah, I do agree with you. I do find a lot of times the people who are sort of like, well, that's what my character would do and use it as an excuse. And of course, I'm not saying all people do, but the people who use it as an excuse are normally the disruptive people. And I think in a lot of cases, that tends to be because people are focused more on their own individual enjoyment than the group enjoying the game as a whole. And I don't know whether perhaps that's something that's been sort of stamped heavily into me since I started as a GM. But even when I'm a player, I'm always mindful of the fact that, as well as me enjoying it, the other players and the GM ought to be enjoying the game as well. And there's ways and means to do individual things and play your character as your character without being a prick about it, basically, and spoiling everyone else's enjoyment. And I think, to be honest, as long as people sort of keep that in mind, there's there's no real class you can't play that is part of a group. I mean, the often quoted example is of the person who like plays in a D&D style game and they immediately craft an angsty loner who doesn't want to associate with people and drifts along with his father's sword and his cursed past. And you think, well, what's this guy got to do with this group? He's not going to fit in. He's obviously not thinking about the fact I'm playing a game with a group of other people and we should all be enjoying it. He's just trying to get his get his jollies on by playing that particular character. But some people are like that. What can you do? I, I would suggest if they're proving terribly disruptive, eject them and move on to find a better player. Or you never know, if you're lucky and you point out that this is maybe impacting other people's enjoyment, perhaps they might mend their ways. Who knows? I'm sure it has happened. So thank you very much for that call, Pete. And let's see who we've got up next. Hey, Josh, Beckelheimer here. So I'm not really a fan of any kind of PvP and role-playing games. Um, so sometimes what I do if I'm starting a game is I put the characters already in a situation where they're already in combat, there's some kind of danger they got to overcome, something to where they have to work together as a team that they're forced to. But now I also tell my players, hey, just because I tell this person's character something does not necessarily mean that your character knows it, even though everyone here at the table has heard it. So I do give some kind of leeway on if someone's looting a body and they find something and they don't want to necessarily tell anyone, that I'm okay with. So, And I let my players know, hey, that's, that's what can happen, and you can do it too if you want. That's Josh Beckelheimer there. Thank you very much, Josh, for calling in. Yeah, I've got to admit, I likewise am not a massive fan of PvP in general in role-playing games. I think 
if you have a specific role-playing game where PvP is like the main thing and everyone goes into it knowing that and with that mindset, it's absolutely grand. However, just trying to slam a bit of PvP into a more, I suppose, traditional and in inverted commas uh, role-playing game isn't really going to work. Well, certainly not to my taste anyway. And yet, I'm a big fan of the whole idea of in-media res starting uh, a session in the middle of dramatic events to get the players jumped straight in, to bring a level of excitement and to get them focused on what's actually going on. I think that's a really useful tool. And it it means you can just get your teeth straight into the action in a game. So thank you very much for your call, Josh. Some great tips there. And I think, could it be? Yeah, I think we've got Rob C next. So let's see what Rob's got to say. Hey, John, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Sorry that I'm a little late to the party with the thief discussion, but wanted to chime in with a couple things. You read from Gavin Norman's uh, OSC, which is inspired by Moldvay. thought you might like to hear the description for Thieves straight from Moldvay, an older version. It's much like Norman's, but with one notable exception. Thieves are humans who are trained in the arts of stealing and sneaking. They are the only characters who can open locks and find traps without using magic to do so. Due to these abilities, a thief is often found in a normal group of adventurers. As their name indicates, however, they do steal, sometimes from members of their own party. <laughs> now, I agree that it's a dick move to uh, steal directly from other party members, but I personally have had thieves that uh, yeah, will take a little nip out of the stuff before the party acquires anything. Okay, I'm just going to slide in here and have a quick comment before we get back to the rest of Rob's message. Thank you, Rob, for reading out the Moldvay description. It is very interesting. Like you say, a couple of exceptions between, sorry, a couple of differences between that and the old school Essentials version. I found it interesting that it specifically says only thieves can do certain tasks and also that it specifically mentioned that, hey, Thieves are going to rob stuff from the party. I think that's a, a little bit odd, but okay, fair enough. But when I come to think about it, a lot of stuff about D&D in particular has evolved the way the game's portrayed, uh, the style of the game. And I'm not a big fan of all of the changes, but I think the, the thief or the rogue class, whatever you want to call it, has evolved a little beyond its humble roots. And I think whereas perhaps uh, in, in the sort of older days of D&D, people were more willing to accept a, a slightly more, I suppose, sort of skirmish wargamey slash board gamey sort of outlook where it's like you can only do what your class has abilities for. I think now people are sort of thinking, oh, you know, what? why can't my, my warrior have a go at picking a lock? He might be shit at it, but why can't he have a go at it? Why can't my... Why can't my wizard try and move silently? I, I, I think people are expecting a slightly more sort of well-rounded game nowadays. And I'm not saying everything that's been bought in with new editions and versions is particularly great or even appeals to me, but I do think certain things in the game have moved on. But I do agree with you, Rob. It's very interesting to look at these differences that have occurred as time's gone on. So thank you once again for 
calling in and giving me that mold of a description. Right, I'm now going to return you to the rest of Rob's message. As far as the naming convention goes, whether you call a class a thief or a rogue or a specialist, I think it's just really an umbrella archetype which can encompass any manner of sneaky type. It could be a scout, it could be a burglar, it could be a spy acting on behalf of king or country, it could be a bounty hunter. So just like a fighter doesn't mean all you do is fight and you don't look for any option outside of fighting or you don't have any nuance to your character, a thief can be many different things and it all depends on how the player interprets that and how they create their character which is like why I like the really broad character class options of just the basic four. I could totally see Jettisoning a thief but I don't know. I'm going to go Triple Jackson here. John here just cutting in again briefly. I think Rob makes a very interesting point and it's certainly true that regardless of your class label in a game like D&D, you can obviously expand your character beyond that and explore other options. However, I think as with a lot of things in life, first impressions are important. And you tend to pick a class based on what sort of thing you want your character to specialize in. So whilst um, both myself, Rob, and other people might all have different views of what constitutes a fighter, for example, when you, you pick a fighter, you, you know that you're going to be a combat-capable person. However, fighter is a, a broad term. Aside from defining the fact that you can fight, it says very little else. Whereas to me personally, I think the label thief is a good deal more specific. And to quote Rob's example there, if the class was called scout, it would conjure a very different initial feeling from me when I was picking it. Since I'd be thinking, all right, great, I'm an outdoorsman. You know, I'm good at finding the lay of the land. I'm good at noticing secret signs and tracks and picking my way. Whereas if you say a thief to me, I immediately think of a robber, a footpad, a cut purse, things like that. But I do agree you can move beyond these, uh, these sort of self-imposed boundaries of the classes but i do think the names tend to color certainly the initial perceptions of these classes and that's why as i've said previously i prefer the specialist from lamentations of the flame princess because specialist ironically enough is a more generic sort of broad umbrella term and it doesn't have quite the sort of uh, the sort of slant that the phrase thief does. Anyway, let's get back to the rest of Rob's message. I do agree that mechanically uh, thieves and OSR games are handled pretty poorly. And like Colin said, they're, they're piss poor at what they do. And at low levels, they're, <laughs> they can hardly do anything. And it, and it is really uh, confusing in a lot of games as to whether or not you should allow other characters, other character classes to perform thiefy type functions. Um, anyway, like Colin said, I'm I'm glad you're doing these RPG bugbear episodes. I enjoyed them on your YouTube channel. I'm glad to see them ported over to the the podcast. I think it'll be a great type of uh, segment. 
and I look forward to hearing more of them. Take it easy. Some great points there from Rob. Thank you very much, Rob, for calling in and for raising all of those points. I'm glad you're liking the RPG bugbears segments. I was a big fan of those and had some great feedback from people about those when they were on the YouTube channel. And unfortunately, since I don't really have all the time necessary to edit YouTube videos as much as I would like nowadays, my focus has shifted more to the podcast but it's definitely something I've been thinking about bringing over to the podcast for a while, and I plan to do many more of them, so keep an ear out for that. So let's move on to our next message, and this is from the one, the only, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Take it away, Jason. Hey, John, Jason here from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I just left a couple messages for you with Rob over at Down in a Heap. Um... I guess you shouldn't record anchor messages while you're distracted, huh? So, anyhow, he might send them over to you, might not, but I'll give you the gist. I don't remember my first polyhedral set of dice, to be honest with you. Um, I remember my first RPG. Remember my mom gave me the Mensa Red Box. Remember it had the TSR Marvel Superheroes, the original yellow box. I remember having that early. So, probably my first polyhedral dice were in those maybe i don't know i honestly don't remember it's kind of sad but it's the truth maybe it's because i don't fetishize dice to me dice are just tools i don't have favorite dice i don't i don't get into dice i mean they're they're what they are they're tools hey john this part two i forgot what i said between the first one and this one because I had recorded one and then I deleted it because I didn't like the way what I said because I kind of started meandering, not unlike I'm doing now. But I think I was talking about fetishizing dice. I don't. I'm not putting down anybody that that has favorite dice or enjoys this kind of dice, meaning like metal dice over other dice or likes a certain color die or something like that. More power to you. I think that's awesome. Just to me, they're. I'm just one of those hollow people that to me dice are just tools. So. I don't know. I'm just effective. What can I say? But I really enjoyed hearing your story. I think it was really cool. And I thank you for sharing it with us. That was very good, man. So I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Thanks very much, Jason. And yet, to be honest, I've got to agree with you. I don't I don't have favorite dice. I don't use dice at towers. I'm not particularly mad on sort of... Uh, dice as a whole i know some people like really go into that and like collecting them but i'm not to be honest their main use is to actually run games and act as the random determiner in rpgs for me so for instance i've got three or four sets of dice that are a combination of greens reds and blacks in color just because those are the colors i like and i keep them in a a little sort of skull container that my wife bought me for my birthday which is absolutely grand but to be honest i only recently started getting a couple of sets of dice again because i was running games at cons and i needed some dice to take with me like physical dice whereas previously i just happily used roll 20 because most of my games were online and i didn't really need the physical dice and like you say i'm not really one for fetishizing dice or like being a collector of dice but if i'm going to have some 
I'll have them in the colours I like. I think the only re main reason I remember my first set of dice is, like I say, because it was a it was a teacher taking interest in me as a person and trying to help me understand something and introducing a, a sort of new fun element to a lesson about the fairly dry subject of mathematics or dry as far as I'm concerned. And it was an element that I'd not seen before and it really captured my imagination. So I think that's why after all these years, it sticks in my mind. It was more the situation rather than the particular dice themselves. And obviously what it led on to was my was me getting my first copy of Vampire the Masquerade second edition, as I said in the last episode, and my long-term interest in RPGs thereafter. So I think to be honest, I owe a lot to that teacher and her taking an interest and in trying to bring a bit of fun into her lessons. But I'm glad you liked the story, Jason, and thank you very much for calling in. So that's it for this call-in bonus episode. Thank you to all my wonderful callers. If you have any comments on these call-ins, these voicemails, or any of my episodes, you can leave me a voicemail message at Anchor. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can also get in touch with me by emailing reddicediaries at gmail.com. And if you don't like the idea of the minute time limit that's imposed by Anchor and you don't want to leave multiple messages, you can always record your message as an MP3, attach it to an email, and email it to reddicediaries at gmail.com, and it will be just as easily answered as any other voicemail. So thank you very much, guys. Whatever game you're playing, wherever you're playing it, have fun. Take care, and I will see you all soon.